0: Yesterday, October the 6th, was a date that will live in infamy. It was the 484th anniversary of the death of William Tyndale. William Tyndale may not be a name that is widely well-known, but to those of us who are readers of the English translation of the Bible, we owe him a debt of gratitude. In the early 1500s, Tyndale was a student at Oxford, and he began studying the writings of the greatest linguist in the world, Erasmus. He pored over Erasmus's Greek New Testament and other writings, and he soon began lecturing from them. Keep in mind that at this point in history, the Bible was still virtually unavailable in English, and so an idea at that point began to form in Tyndale's mind. William Tyndale wanted to produce a translation of the Bible that could be made available and could be read by the common man, and it could be read without the influence or the persuasion of the Roman Catholic Church. That idea, as you might could guess, swiftly earned him threats and opposition. One Catholic scholar actually said to Tyndale, We are better to be without God's laws than the Pope's. To which Tyndale said, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than you do. In 1522, Tyndale approached the Bishop of London for help in trying to render the Bible into English, but he was rebuffed. Tyndale, nevertheless, began secretly working on this massive project, but word got out. And so, finding his life in danger, he fled from England to continental Europe. And there, he continued translating, smuggling copies of Matthew and Mark back into London, Spies began to comb Europe looking for him while Tyndale played a game of cloak and dagger, hiding and running, translating and smuggling. By 1525, for the first time in history, complete copies of the New Testament were being distributed in England. Over the course of the next several years, despite the promise of death and unrelenting persecution, Tyndale nearly completed an English version of the entire Bible. His translation covered the entire New Testament and approximately half of the Old Testament. But on May the 21st, 1535, Tyndale's time ran out as he was betrayed by friends and he was seized by Roman Catholic Church authorities. He languished in a prison cell for more than a year until October the 6th, 1536. On that day, he was tied to a stake outside of Brussels. He was strangled and he was burned to death. He was just 42. Tyndale's final words were, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. And in some respects, that prayer had already been answered, as King Henry VIII had approved a new English Bible by Miles Coverdale, a friend of William Tyndale. King Henry never realized that Coverdale's Bible was actually almost 70% of Tyndale's work. In 1604... The new king, James I, approved a new translation of the Bible into English, and it was Tyndale's work that became the basis for 90% of that Bible, which is known to us today as the King James Version. I, for one, am very thankful for men like William Tyndale, whose faith and conviction moved him to action so that, yes, even a plowboy like me, nearly 500 years later, could have access to the Word of God. In fact, the next time that you open up one of the probably several copies of the Bible that you own, stop and think about the blood that has been spilt in order to ensure that God's Word could reach you and save you. Think first and foremost about Christ and how His blood was shed to prepare the gospel. But don't forget as well to think about God's providence and how He used people like William Tyndale to ensure that you have a copy of His Word to study for yourself. Your Bible is stained with blood. The question is, does the amount of time that you spend in the Word, does it show an appreciation for the sacrifices that have been made to bring it to you? May God help you and may God help me to have a greater love and a greater desire for reading His Word.